Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Here we go. It says this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be scared. Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So you have a great reward. And God says, I'm better than that. Come on now, let's just think about it for a second. Think about the best thing you could receive. God says, I supersede that. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. I have no children. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside. Somebody say outside. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you need to go outside. It's cold outside, I know, but there's a whole lot of good stuff. He said, you need to go outside and said, look now towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them. He said to him, so shall your descendants be. He believed in the Lord. Somebody say, I believe. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. God, in this moment that we are in your presence with your people. Because you said wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be also. God, we are desperate for more and more of you. God, we're passionate. God, we're leaning in. God, we're praying that you would spiritually take us outside. God, show us something we've never seen before, that which you desire to do in our lives. And God, even before we see it, we respond as Abram received it. We believe in you. God, credit it to us as righteousness. We give you the glory. We give the honor. God, still heal my heart from that raven's loss. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. High five two or three people before you sit down. Come on, somebody say, pray for the pastor. Pray for the pastor. Pray. Pray. (laughs) We are in uh, the third week of a series that we're calling Picture This. Somebody say, Picture This. Have you enjoyed this series? Let me, let me help you out, by the way. If the pastor ever asked, have you enjoyed a series, there's only two answers. Hmm? <laughs> or yeah! Yeah, it's much better. But if you're the first time, we've been through this series called Picture This, and we've been talking about in the first week how your life will produce the primary picture that you look at. The primary image that you have in your heart, the image of marriage that you have is what your heart is going to produce. Now, here's what I've discovered. Many of us have a fantasy of what we would like, 
But the reality of what we focused on for the majority of our life is not our fantasy. It's oftentimes dysfunction or less than what we're believing God for. And if we don't, aren't disciplined and intentional about replacing the pictures that we have in front of us, replacing the things that we're staring at, we're going to constantly have a gap between where we wish we were and the experience in life that we're actually having. Somebody say amen. Last week, we talked about how sometimes life is not what you pictured. And our natural response when life is not what you pictured is to kind of give up, to be discouraged, to walk away from it. But you got to understand, just because it's not what you pictured doesn't mean that God can't still use it. Doesn't mean that God can't still do something great with it. He is able to make all things work together for your good. What I want to talk about today, and, and, and I'm, I'm learning just kind of to get to the point and be really direct, I want to talk to some people in this room and all over wherever you are viewing this whose picture is too small. Your expectations are too small. You're in a position right now where you are settling in life. I am good where I am. I'm good with my faith. I'm good with my relationship with God. Well, the Bible says that we serve an infinite God, that there is no limit to who he is. As long as you are breathing on planet Earth, and even when you get to heaven, there is more of God for you to experience. Somebody say amen. Somebody say lean in. I want to talk to some people where you are settled, you are comfortable. You're not even thinking about your finances. I'm just good where I am or you're not even thinking about your relationships improving or your business or your influence or whatever it may be, I'm gonna tell you this right now, Jesus did not hang on a cross for us to settle. There is so much more that he has for us. If you are breathing here on earth, there are better days ahead of you. It doesn't matter how good the days behind you have been. Can I get a real... This passage that we read is absolutely hilarious. One of the things that I love about Scripture is the way that some of the great patriarchs argue with God. You ever notice that? Like God was getting ready to to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abram says, well, what if there's 50 Christians? All right, I won't destroy it. What if there's 45? 40? 30? 10. And here's what I think happened in that argument. I feel like Abram was like, what if there's 15 Christians? God said, if you can find 15, I won't destroy it. <laughs> 10? 10. Okay. <laughs> it's just this going back and forth in this passage. God comes to Abram. And he says, Abram, I am your exceeding and great reward. I am your shield. He said, Abram, you have nothing to worry about. I'm the one who's protecting you, and I'm the one that's providing everything for you. By the way, that's not just a promise for Abram. That's a promise for every single person that decides to put themselves. The Bible says in Psalm 93 that he will cover us with the shadow of his wing, that we can run to the Almighty. He is our protector. He is our provider. The creator of the universe comes to Abram and says, I am your exceeding great reward. And Abram says, cool. Thanks. That's awesome. (laughs) You 
ever bought somebody a gift and you were like excited about this gift? This happened with me and my son this Christmas. I bought him a gift and I was so excited and he ripped it open and ripped it and ripped it and ripped it and then pushed the gift to the side and continued to rip the paper. And he said, Daddy, this is the coolest paper I've ever seen in my life. He's like, no, it's not the paper. I, God, God came, hey, Abraham, I'm your exceeding great reward. Abraham said, great. Thanks, God. Thankful. But I don't have a son. I wonder how many of us are in the presence of God and God says, I am all that you need and more. Thank God. But my loved one's still sick. Thank God, but still have financial issues. Thank, don't you know? He says, I am that I am that I am. I am the solution to everything that you can possibly face. Abram said, I don't have a child. How am I going to be blessed when my name ends when I die? There is no one to carry on my legacy. He said, not only that, all that you've blessed me with, God, all of these possessions, I'm leaving them to Eleazar, my employee, my servant. There's nobody of my name that is going to carry out the legacy and the blessing that you've brought into my life. And God said, no, 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 no. That is not going to be the case. You are going to have a child from your own body. You have to understand, Abram, as we talked about last week, was in his 80s at this point. Not, not random people, not science. The Bible said that him and his wife Sarai were physically unable to have children. And God says, don't worry about what anybody says. Don't worry about what you feel. I'm telling you, this is going to come to pass in your life. But God began to get worried because Abram couldn't apply his faith to what God was saying. There's this gap. We have it in church. We have it when we read the word. We have it when we're in God's presence where this is what he says could be our reality. But here's where our faith is. He says we're healed but I don't feel like he can supernaturally heal me. We say we're blessed. We say that we have joy. We say, we say, we say, we say, but my reality is here. And unfortunately, it's easier for me to put faith in my reality than in what he says. So here's what God says. He said, Abram, I can't talk to you in that tent where you are. You got to come out here. If you would just come out here. And then he said, look at the stars. And if you don't think God is ignorant, you just don't read the Bible. He said, count the stars if you can. <laughs> he says, as many stars as you can see is as many as your descendants are going to be. Now, I did some research because I was like, man, how many stars can the human eye see? And I discovered it depends on where you are, how close you are to a major city, how old you are, how good your eyesight is. The further you are away from any light out in the country somewhere where there's no lights or anything like that, even the glow of a city, because when there's lights around, the light on earth blocks out the light in heaven. That's just a message in itself that I don't have time to preach. Then it also matters if the moon is out, because if the moon is out, then it's also going to make stars invisible. You actually have to be in perfect darkness to see as many stars as the human eye is capable of seeing. But the average person with great eyesight can see about 2,000 stars on a pitch black night with a clear sky. Because says, Abram, if you can look and count, that is how expansive the promise that I have for you is. Hear me, hear me, hear me. As many stars are there is in the sky, 
is as many plans God has for your life. Not just Abram, for you. There is an expansive future that God has for you, but you will not be able to see the future that God has for you if we remain in our proverbial tents. If we remain in an environment that hinders our ability to see all that God has for us. So there's three questions that I was preparing this message. There's just three questions that I asked myself. And, 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 and I'd ask you to just ask yourself these three questions. And if you could write them down. The first thing is this. What, um, what's my tent? What, 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 what's my tent? What's that thing that is inhibiting me, that is keeping me from seeing the greatness that God desires to do in my life and, and through my life? Now, I don't know if there's people in this room who, who go camping. Um, I'm not one of them. My idea of camping is spending a night at the Holiday Inn Express. That, that is roughing it. Have you had those, those little instant waffles that they make that I'm not quite sure where that comes from? <laughs> the eggs that no longer matter how long they sit there, they just... <laughs> the only camping I've ever done is, is as a kid. You ever set up like a teepee in your house or got all the cushions off the bed or whatever? Maybe sometimes when our parents were feeling extra godly, they'd let us stay up on Christmas Eve and we'd put out a camping site and we'd watch movies all night long and all this other good stuff. My, my son, Roman, he, he likes to take a blanket and he puts it over his head. And he likes walking around the house with this blanket over his head. And in a matter of moments, he's crying because he ran into a wall. He fell down some stairs or whatever it may be. And it's like, you can't see with that on your head. And I'll pick him up and I'll pat him. And he said, thanks, Daddy. Back over his head and he's right back. I wonder how many of us, without even realizing it, we're living life with something over our heads. That's inhibiting our vision. We'll see how this goes. I actually brought my own camping tent. Uh, okay. I probably should have stretched before doing this. This, this thing's like kid size. What is this? Ow! Oh, this is gonna hurt on Monday. Okay, so, um, question. What's your tent? Tents aren't all bad. Tents, they, they cover us from the elements, they're a place where we could kind of hang out. I really hope I could get out of here when I'm done. <laughs> they're safe, they're comfortable, they're a place to recover, they're just not a place to dream. Because if I need to rest and recuperate, it's great to be locked in, but if I need a dream, I gotta be able to see. So my question is, what's your tent? Am I going to preach a whole message from this tent? We'll see. <laughs> For some people, their tent are their relationships. You are in an environment where nobody around you has seen anything differently than you've seen it. And because everybody in your environment is experiencing the same life, it's actually blinding you from the ability to want anything more out of life. Their negativity is blinding out the expansiveness of God's possibilities in your life. Everybody in my circle has a car note. I mean, I can't even imagine life without a car payment. 
So the idea of being debt-free is not even something that I aspire to. I don't even have vision for that because everybody in my tent is living the exact same experience. Can I, can I talk for a second? We celebrate getting approved for a loan. Can we talk about that for a second? I'm so excited! I get to pay somebody for them to loan me money for me to pay them back. Woo! It's a tent. You know, nobody in my tent has ever experienced the power of the Holy Spirit on their life. You know, nobody in my tent, they, no, nobody's speaking tongues. We laugh at people who do. Nobody in my tent has ever prayed for the sick and seen them healed. I got to get out of here. Ah, here we go. When the Bible says that it's the saint who lays hands on the sick and sees them recover, but because there's nobody in my circle who's experienced that, I don't even aspire to that. And I call it normal until somebody exposes the fact that that's not normal. A powerless Christian is not normal. For somebody to say that the creator of the universe dwells inside of me, but yet I'm so rocked emotionally by the smallest disappointments in life, that's not normal. But because everybody in my tent is like that, it's no What's my tent? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Therefore, come. Somebody say, come out. I almost named this message, get out, but I didn't. <laughs> come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. We are mixing up who God has called us to be. We fight so hard to be accepted and to be included when God says, no, you need to come out and to separate yourself from. Come out from among them, says the Lord, don't touch what is unclean and I will receive you. What's my tent? For some people, our tent is our insecurities and our inferiority complex. We're limited by how we see ourselves. And because we see ourselves one way and we see ourselves as not enough and we see ourselves as not that holy and not that righteous and inconsistent and all that other good stuff, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people. Man, I could see you being a great leader in the church. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like, what is this? Like crouching tiger headed? Are you? <sighs> There's just this, just no, why not? Why not? Because you don't know me. I don't need to know you. I know the God in you. And I know the God in you comes with wisdom. He comes with authority. He comes with leadership. He comes with ability. I know the God in you is great. And if God in you is great, if he be for you, who should be against you? For some of us, our tents are our disappointments. You ever been around people that just because it didn't happen for them, they think it can't happen for you? You know, I'm getting ready to go start this business. I've been doing my business plan. I've saved up enough money, and I've been thinking through this. So I'm getting ready. Yeah, I did that before. 
Yeah, I tried that. You know, the market, the market's just not the same. You know, it's, it's big business. There's no room for the little guy anymore. America's changed. There's, there's no room. No room. <laughs> Says you. Just because you failed, just because you experienced a disappointment, just because I failed, just because I experienced a disappointment, doesn't mean that that failure is final. That failure doesn't define me. That failure was not a period. That failure was just a comma in the story that God is writing. I'll tell you, you know, people, Pastor, I, I love your preaching, you know, you're articulate this or that or whatever. I'm like, oh, you should have heard me earlier on. I've preached some horrible messages. I mean, I mean, not even like, oh, you're being too kind. No, they were, you know, there's bad messages. And then there's just like horrible messages. I've preached messages that I've wanted to run off the platform in the middle of the message. And guess what? I kept on preaching and I kept on preaching and I kept on preaching. And, I, and hopefully it's getting a little better and a little better and a little better. Don't allow your disappointment to cover what God is trying to do in your life. So the first question I ask myself is, what is my tent? The, the second question I ask myself is, why won't I come out? Why do people stay in limited spaces in life? Why do people stay in limited thinking? Why are people able to be in church for three years, five years, eight years, and have not grown spiritually at all? You still pop off on the same things you pop off on. You're still struggling with the same things you're still struggling with. You're, you still don't know as much scripture as you did. Why, why, why are we willing to settle? Why won't we come out of our tent? One of the things that crossed my mind is because tents are comfortable. It's, it's scary out there. There's a possibility for disappointment out there. There's a possibility for setback out there. I, I don't want to risk failure, so I'm going to stay where I'm comfortable. Another thing that crossed my mind is, is some people, they, they're stuck in their tent because they don't know that they're in a tent. I'm not in a tent. I'm moving around. I mean, I used to live in Charlotte. And I moved away from those small-minded thinking people, not that Charlotte is, but just people you were around. And I've moved. So I can't still be in a tent. All you did was cut a hole in a tent and take the same small thinking, the same inferiority complex, the same willingness to settle for what you've experienced over the last five years, and you're moving around to different experiences, different relationships, different jobs, different opportunities, but the same tent. Because a tent's not a physical location, it's a mindset. God says, Abram, you got to get out of there because as long as you stay in there, you will not see all that God has for you. Boy, you know, sometimes I wish I could not preach but just talk. And I'm... How many people said this church isn't possible? You're too young. You weren't married at the time. Who's going to listen to a kid? You don't know what you're talking about. Can I, can I talk a little bit? You have a predominantly African-American church. They don't want to dress like that. Your services are too short. 
You don't whoop and holler and preach. So, ah! It won't work. If I stayed around that limited mindset and that limited thinking, imagine what we could have missed out on. Imagine what God is saying. There's so much. I know your family. I'm gonna get in trouble, I'm gonna get in trouble, Travi. I had family members that cried when they found out I was going into the ministry. Tried to talk me, how you gonna feed your kids? How are you, how you going to provide? How, how are you going to send them to college? You're going to be broke. Please don't. Please, please, please don't. Some of you have family members. Like, please, please, please don't get married. It's going to end in divorce. They're not going to love you. You ever, you ever had that talk? Some outsider can't love you the way that blood loves you? Blood sticking in water. That is not Bible. That is not God's plan for my life. Oh, I don't, I don't invest in the stock market. You know, it's all a scam anyway. Yeah, I, don't, I don't invest. It's just crazy. You know, that's what, that's what they do. You know, they, they, they know how to rig it. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I put $3 in, lost all my money, so I'm not going <laughs> to. Limited. I'm having fun. You having fun? I'm having fun. Don't let people that are dissatisfied with their own existence convince you not to look for more and to believe God for more. They're not even happy where they are, but they're trying to convince you to stay there. By the way, one of the, the, the uh, characteristics of a tent is when you pretend to be satisfied with your life, but you're really bitter. Abram, look, look at this expanse of God. Yeah, God, you've blessed me. God, you're great. I'm grateful and thankful. But you know, I don't even really have a child, God. Like, there, there's nothing that's going to live on my legacy. God, this, this, this is where it ends. What kind of passive-aggressive conversation with God is that? God, I thank you. I mean, it's not enough. But God, I thank you. Do not confuse contentment with complacency. God has called us to be content. God has never called us to be complacent. What's the difference? Contentment is an internal peace that is separated from my experiences externally. It doesn't matter what life looks like because God is in me and I am his child and he's called me and he knows me. I am satisfied with all that he has blessed me with. Here's what complacency is. Complacency is an unwillingness to move forward for the fear of experiencing pain in the process. Because can I tell you something, as I nearly died three times getting out that tent, it's painful to grow. It's painful to step out of an environment that you once were that was your comfort zone, that was your safe zone. It's, it's scary. Come on, introverts. It's scary to meet new people. People are crazy. People talk about me. People are mean. People are scary. So I'm going to run into church five minutes late and run out five minutes. I mean, I hear you talking about connect group, connect group, connect group. Church is great when we connect, but I don't want to connect. People be crazy. <laughs> Not everybody. Now, some people in your connect group are crazy. <laughs> you just pray that they keep coming to church and Freedom Conference coming up at the end of the <laughs> But if we live this life of, I don't want to experience pain. Somebody say, talk a little bit more. 
If I could tell you how painful it has been to build this church, words can't describe the pain, the anguish, the insecurity, the fears. But here's what Jesus said, and he's our example. Somebody say amen. Amen. For the joy set before him on the other side of the cross, he endured the pain. You know what the joy on the other side of that cross was? The fact that you and I and every single person can be accepted, adopted into the family of God. And Jesus said, I know the cross is painful. Matter of fact, Father, if there is any way we could save the world without going through the cross, I'd really appreciate it. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm willing to go through a little bit of pain because there's joy on the other side. Can I help you how to grow? Get locked in on the victory on the other side of that pain. Yes, you may need to go to marriage counseling. You may need to talk through some issues. You may need to have some painful conversations in that marriage. You may need to shed some tears, but there is some joy on the other side of that when you finally get through those issues, when you're finally vibing and you're finally thinking of like, you're finally building the family that God has called you to build. But here's what we do. We stay where we are because we don't want to go through the pain. Don't stay in that tent. Here's what Paul said. Paul said this in Philippians chapter uh, uh, 4, verse 11. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be. Somebody say content. He said, I've learned to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everything and always I have learned. Somebody say both. Paul said, I've learned both. I've learned to be full and I've learned to fast. (laughs) Both to abound. I wish we had some folks. I, 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 I grew up with my great my grandmother, my great grandmother too, but my grandmother as well. And my grandmother grew up in those area in the the, the years um, right after the Great Depression, and and when when it, that that's just a different generation. Like we got one little speck on a banana. I'm throwing it out. I'm not eating no leopard looking banana. And, <laughs> Anybody but those people that you finish your chicken wing and you're done and they look at you and just, right, 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 there's still meat on that bone. And they grab that chicken wing, they finish, I can't believe you're getting ready to throw this chicken wing. Give me that banana. <laughs> it's a different mindset. Because when they grew up, there wasn't a lot to go around. So they've learned how to be a base. They've learned how to survive. A lot of the things that we enjoy culturally, foods and different things like that, they're not even really great foods. They're definitely not healthy food. It's it's somewhat of a survival food. Some of us, we've learned how to survive. We just haven't learned to thrive. this, This will be a message right here. You need to learn how to eat all the meat off the chicken bone. But you also need to learn how to walk into a restaurant and say, um, my pants are black. Do you have a black napkin? What's the cut of the day? How long has this been aged? I'll, I'll take it uh, medium rare. What's the temperature? that? You... Huh? That's what Paul said. He said, I've learned to be hungry, but I've learned to, be, I've learned to eat good. <laughs> I, I Last question I ask myself is this. How do I get out? It's all right if I have fun. You know, I I just grab this little sleeping bag here and just go ahead and jump in here. Hopefully I don't cook. You're going to pray for the pastor. 
Because if I fall, this would be bad. All right. This is cute. Watch this. It got a hoodie, y'all. Sometimes the tent that we live in can almost feel like our identity. Because I was raised this way. Can, can I, I'm stop asking permission to just talk. Can I just talk? We were, we were raised to believe to get out this tent is to sell out. It's to, to die your family or your culture or the, no, 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 no. I just want more. Is that okay? Because I serve a God that does exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. I serve a God that is the creator of the universe, that created heaven and earth. This is not my identity. I learned this. I may have been raised like this, but this is not who I am. I am the righteousness of God. I am a king's child. I am a co-heir with Christ. God is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf. My name was written in the Lamb's book of life. There is a name that my mama didn't even know to name me, but my father is going to give it to me when I get, that's who I am. The problem is I've been in this orange cocoon for so long that I don't know how to get out of that tent. Write this down. There's a couple ways to get out the tent. The, 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 the first thing is this, obviously God, somebody say obviously, but you know, sometimes we give just these, these, these answers in church that it's like, okay, God, you remember being in Sunday school? Every time the teacher asks a question, Jesus, who parted the Red Sea? Jesus. No, it was Moses. Well, technically, Jesus is the creator of the world, so we just go, go. You, if you put Jesus for everything, how do I get out of my tent? God, thanks, Pastor. <laughs> Appreciate it. What else you got for me? What do I do with God? Can I tell you what to do with God? Let what he says is supersede what you say is impossible. And it is a conscious decision that when I face, is this what God says is his best? Not what I was raised to believe is all I'm allowed to have. Not what I've raised to believe is what I'm comfortable with or what I'll settle with or I don't want to believe for more because I don't want to offend. No, no. What does God say about my health? Science says that you're of the age that that is a normal thing you should deal with until you die. I don't care what science says. What does God say? It says with long life, he will satisfy me, that he will renew my strength, that I will run and not grow weary, that I will walk and not grow faint, that I will soar on the wings of eagles. What does he say? And I choose to replace what I feel with what he says. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 says this, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to the grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of Abraham, who is the father of Israel. As it is written, I have made, Father, come, keep it going, keep it going, scroll, 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 in the presence, in the presence of him who believed God. Ready? Ready? In the presence of him who believed God. Somebody say, I believe God. Who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. I was just trying to get to that point, sorry. The God that we serve looks at something that is not, is all that is. No, no, God, it's not. No, yes, it is. No, 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 it's not. Yes, yes, yes it is. No, it's not. Come out here. Look. Okay, it is. 
We just have to make a decision that what God says is, is. It doesn't matter who says it is. Not. Church America is dying. Millennials are leaving the church in throes. Nobody wants to go to church anymore. It's a, it's a post-Christian society. No, that's not what he said. He said that he will build his church. He said that the gates of hell will not prevail. So thank you for your statistics. Thank you for your opinion. Thank you for your poll. But I'm going with what he said is. And I'm not really concerned what anybody else says is not. That's why time in his presence is so important. That's why time in his word is so vital. How do you know what God says is if you don't know what God says? The second thing you need to do is this. You need to get around people that are experiencing what you're believing for in your life. Can I tell you how you know when you've outgrown your tent? You've outgrown your tent when nobody around you is experiencing life beyond you. Everybody in your circle, everybody you associate with, everybody you pick up the phone, they have the same struggles that you have and they have the same victories as you have. They have the same faith as you have and they have the same doubts as you have. They have the same relationship. Look, and I'm not saying to, this is not an abandon everybody in your life message. There are a purpose for tents. You laugh with tents. You rest with tents. You relax with tents. You find comfort with tents. You're just going to have your crew that you may live life beyond them, but I just got to go back and hang with them sometimes because just nobody gets our jokes. We have invested so much time. When I say this, they just crack up laughing. And I'm, just, I don't know, I'm not saying no new friends, but I just don't got time to work on new inside jokes with everybody. So <laughs> does it make sense? But I'm going to be intentional about getting around people that they don't have my problem, they have my solution. In order to do that, I have to get over my inferiority complex. Many of us don't want to be around people that are ahead of us because it makes us feel less than. Look at your neighbor. Help me preach. You're going to like this. You're going to like this. Look at somebody. Say, like, get over it. <laughs> I'll just get a little bit more. Yeah, he's so fun to preach, by the way. Find one more person. Find somebody who don't look too happy. Just, just does it. Get over it. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good. To the Jew first. By the way, let me just have a little bit of fun. Some people get offended when we say that the Jews are God's people. We're all God's people. We're all chosen. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they are God's people. But somebody say, get over it. Here's why. Because the Bible says to the Jew first, and also to the Greek or the Gentiles, or to the rest of us. For there is no partiality with God. Another translation says, he is no respecter of persons. If he'll bless that person, he'll bless you. If he'll open doors for that person, he'll open doors for you. If he'll use that person to heal the sick and raise the dead, he'll use you to heal the sick and to raise the dead. So instead of being jealous of that person, I need to get around them and find out how do you think? What do you look at? What are you observing? I remember... Uh, this is probably about six years ago. I was in a room with pastors, and Destiny Church was probably about 300 people at the time. Everybody else in the room, their church was like 1,500 people and up. 
And the person who was leading the discussion had a church of about 40,000 people. It's a doggone city. <laughs> like, y'all got Congress, y'all got your own National Guard. <laughs> and I'm just sitting in the corner. It was an all-day event, eight hours. And for eight hours, I said nothing. And I'm just sitting there. <laughs> oh, gosh. How did they even let me be a pastor? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay, all right. <laughs> I was stressed. And he says, Stephen, do you have any questions? I said, no. <laughs> because you're answering questions that I'm not even smart enough to ask. So you just keep talking about anything. It's all new. But guess what? It's not new anymore. Because I went home and I poured over those notes. Can, can I... Can, uh, they didn't invite me back for three years. He was in over his head. This, 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 you know, he was in all that love. There's, there's some more elementary things he needs to figure out. We were having a conversation. Where we, That's all right. I got something. And I'm going to work what I've got. And I'm going to grow it. And I'm going to see it become better and greater than I ever thought possible. You need to get around the presence of God. You need to get around people that give you the gift of what I call disorientation. And then you got to make up your mind. I'm going to work this thing. I'm going to take what I have. It may be uncomfortable. It may be scary. There may be an opportunity for failure, but I'm going to work it. Somebody say work it. Don't say it too many times because then it becomes on God. <laughs> work it, come on. Okay, no, don't work it that much. <laughs> I'm gonna work this thing. I'm gonna work this thing. I'm gonna work this thing. You say go to growth track? I'm gonna go to growth track. I'm gonna work this thing. You say connect groups is where you grow? I'm going to connect group. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna work this thing. You say that if I pray for these 21 days that, that I'm gonna grow close? Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Can't wake up at 6 o'clock. I'm going to watch the replay online at, at noon. I'm going to watch it at 6 p.m. when I get home. I'm going to work this. I'm going to work it. Come on. You say, if I tithe, that, that, that God, will, God will bless me, that God will cover me, and God will increase me? All right. I'm going to work the other things first and see how they work out. And then if those... <laughs> Somebody say, work it. Work it. Our marriage is in the dumps. The counselor said, before we go to bed, sit in a, in a chair, knee to knee, hand to hand, eye to eye, and tell them three things I like about them, and keep everything I don't to myself. All right, I'm going to work it. It's weird. It's awkward. It's really uncomfortable. I've never stared at you this long. You're kind of pretty. But I'm going to work it. And you're going to find that mental tent begin to break back. And you're going to see a possibility of experiencing life in a way that God always had for you. But you may never have known was possible. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that you desire exceeding and abundantly above all we could ever ask, think, or imagine. God, I pray that you would rock our tent, that you would rip our tent, that you would make it impossible to stay in a place of complacency. Give us a desperation. Give us a passion for all that you have for 
us. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this message personal to you. What is that tent that you need to leave in this room and not take home with you? For some of you, your tent is self-reliance. You've never stepped out into the expanse of fully relying on God, which, by the way, is called being a Christian. Maybe you're in here and say, if I'd be honest with you, I've never truly given God full confidence, full authority, full control in my life, but I'm ready to step out. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's awkward. I, I know I'm scared that I don't know it all together, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I just sense there's people in this room. You're like, hurry up and pray the prayer before I change my mind. I am ready. If you're in here and you say, that's me. I'm, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I am ready to surrender to God right where you're sitting. Can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I am stepping away from self-reliance and stepping into God-reliance. Thank you for dying on the cross so that my sins can be erased. Be my Lord and my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.